Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show, including the segments where Matt hates a lot of things, <laughs> is brought to you by Purdy Insurance, who Matt, by the way, loves. Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. Hey, by the way, a lot of planning, everything that, you know, they take care of a wide variety of needs. It's all at Purdy Insurance. They'll do everything they can to save you money, by the way. All at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Jerry Dulac on Phil Mickelson in the final half hour. Gabe Sinecropi in a few moments. But first, speaking of Phil, it's our play-by-play call of the day. Biggest moment of a legendary career. Phil defeats Father Time. Played that back earlier for Kevin, and he thought they were yelling "suit, suit, suit," and it's just it's sad. Uh, Vern Lundquist with the call on the chip in from the sand on five, and then uh, Jim Nance with the great call on eighteen at the end. Look, CBS is going to draw a number for it. They're going to draw a number. Now it will not be Tiger esque. When Tiger's in contention, the ratings go off the charts. There's only one other person that can get the needle pushed up, and that's Phil Mickelson. Uh, not to the level of Tiger Woods, obviously not, but it'll be interesting to see what number they come up with, especially versus the NBA playoffs. MLB Draft League is now uh, two and a half hours away from starting. And Williamsport will be at State College tonight, but then tomorrow night, the Cutters have their home opener when they take on State College. And with us one of the really good people out there in baseball, but just in anything that I just enjoy being around, it's Gabe Sinecropi. Gabe, the day after 610 days has finally come upon us here. Steve, I am so excited. You're going to have to use that seven-second delay on this interview with me. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's uh, it's unbelievable to even think about that uh, we're actually going to have Cutters baseball uh, here at what is now known as Muncie Bank Ballpark at Historic Bowman Field. Uh, we can't wait to get it underway here for us tomorrow night at 7.05. It's a sellout. That's the good news, but it's only 600 right. fans, so with social distancing right. still in effect. So right. uh, we'll have a sold-out crowd, but I'm not sure it will really feel like a sellout. Uh, it will in there, to be honest with you, because I love the way that ballpark is shaped with the overhang the no, there's the noise. It, it really does hang in there. But that was actually going to be my next question. 
It's 600 now, so you've had to come up with two plans. Once you get to May 31st, it's all out, right? Yeah, all bets are off then, right? It's uh, back to 100% capacity. Um, of course, uh, the CDC recommends unvaccinated fans to still wear their masks uh, unless they're actively eating or drinking in their seats. And, and we would also ask them to to observe social distancing rules when moving about the stadium, um, you know, during this time as well. But we're we're just so darn excited to be able to open it 100% capacity for us. Uh, we'll be able to do it on the first day that, that Pennsylvania yeah. can. On May 31st, Memorial Day, we're home with a 105 afternoon first pitch. So uh, that will, we'll have opening night tomorrow night, and then you know it's kind of another celebration in game two. Yeah, and then, yeah, you've got Trenton in a, in a two-game series right away, and then you got State College coming in. Uh, that week as well and then you know i mean you've got a lot going on just in the opening week where you've got a hundred percent and right now it is labeled as limited seats available so what kind of reaction have you been getting especially when the 100 percent came up well i mean it it made us change all of our plans i'll tell you that it wasn't something we were expecting to happen when it when it was announced and uh we had just started selling tickets um single game tickets so we kind of had to retract a whole bunch of stuff but <laughs> it was it was a lot of work but it's happy work because we were retracting it because we are going to be able to open up uh more so uh it's certainly better than going the other way so it, i'll be honest it was a real shot in the arm for all of us no pun intended um, <laughs> uh right. to, to be able to do that and uh it, it really breathe life into all of us because i'll be honest steve we we weren't so excited while we understood why you know we could only have 600 fans um you know looking at the season um with with a maximum of 600 people in the ballpark uh every night you know it it just didn't sit that well with us with with all the work that goes into you know professional sports team and and uh Boy, it really was just a great boost of energy for all of us. Well, well, let's be realistic here. 600 fans in the ballpark, you financially can't make it No, uh, when, when you're doing that. Now, no. at 100%, it's a, it's a different ball game. Now, let me give you an example here in State College. There's no Central Pennsylvania Festival of the Arts this summer. They canceled it. People's Choice got canceled. Memorial Day in Bullsburg got canceled. Heritage Days in Phillipsburg got canceled. Had there been a couple of events in Williamsport that got canceled, where now a greater focus actually goes on the cutters because you're open. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, other places that had to plan, you know, far in advance whether they would even have it or not have it, as you mentioned, and you know, elect to not do it because look, we weren't, no- we didn't know where things sat even a month ago and and what they would be like for the summer. So uh, with us, we knew we were going to be able to open, so we were planning on opening. It was just a matter of how many people, you know, could could come into the stadium. And uh, so the the change, we were able to pivot very quickly uh, with with the change in capacity. So uh, just real exciting, real exciting. well, Gabe, I think we lost Steve on our connection here, so I'll just ask you this. Um, where can fans go and uh, get tickets? What kind of ticket info is out there right now for future games? 
Yeah, so, you know, crosscutters.com, you can order tickets online. You can get them over the phone on the Cutters Hotline, 570-326-3389. Or you can get them right at the Crosscutters box office here at Muncie Bank Ballpark. And then for Williamsport, we've we've got a kind of an idea of what the roster is going to look like for uh, State College. What's the what's the roster going to be like for Williamsport, and what can fans expect to see? I know we've talked about this before, but I know rosters are just being finalized now. It seems like across the new MLB draft league. Yeah, we got we got twenty two on our roster right now, and you know more and more will be added literally over the coming days. We're expecting uh, two or three more guys later on this week, and as major college programs end their their regional competition, there'll be more of the people who are slated to come to Williamsport who will actually uh, arrive here. So uh, many more players still to come. We're real excited about our our uh, coaching staff with with Billy Horton as our manager, a uh, longtime um, instructor in the San Francisco Giants organization. Jim Gott, former major league pitcher, our pitching coach, uh, was most recently um, a coach with the Philadelphia Phillies for the last three years or so. Our hitting coach is Anthony Manuel. Uh, he is the son of former MLB player and manager Jerry Manuel, and a coach that was just added uh, for some older baseball fans like myself, the name will ring a bell. Tito Fuentes, Jr. This is uh, Tito Fuentes' uh, son who, um, you know, has played and coached and managed, and he will be a coach with us. Uh, not on the scene yet, but he's due to arrive later this week. So uh, we're excited to have uh, Tito with us as well. Well, it is exciting to see there. Yeah, that that'll be a big name for for everybody. Any anything that you know went into that to, that brought him aboard? Uh, well, quite frankly, we had a fourth coach uh, by the name of Chris Monroe, who uh, just a couple of days ago uh, uh, decided to take another job and and not be part of the draft league. This this, this other job was was even better for uh, his development and. Uh, our manager reached out to some guys, and uh, uh, Tito was was the one who who got it. So uh, we'll be excited to to meet Tito Jr. and have him on the staff. Well, Gabe, I think we're still working on the connection with Steve. So I'll leave this final question to you. Anything that we haven't covered that uh, that you have that you want to get out there? That's of have anything going on at the ballpark? You know, re- restrictions, guidelines, any big nights coming up here in the first couple of weeks of the season at the ballpark? Well, look, we'd we'd love to sell tickets uh, to to fans for opening night, but none are available. But we've got tickets for all the other 33 home games, including that game number two, where it'll be the first day where we can open to 100% capacity. Uh, That's Memorial Day afternoon, Monday the 31st, against the Trenton Thunder. It's a 105 first pitch. We direct everybody to crosscutters.com to check out our full game and promotional schedule and we want to let people know that all across the draft league all of the games are available online to view with video viewing so uh, in our case if you just go to crosscutters.com click the watch live button you'll be able to then be brought to a page that will have video 
that you can link to for all three games that are going on every night. So, uh, and Crosscutters Audio, always available, will be uh, there with that, with Ian Catherine, with, with the call of Cutters Baseball throughout the season. So uh, we're happy to be able to pr- provide that across the Draft League to fans this summer. Um, so people far and wide can watch these prospects in action right before draft day coming up in the middle of July. Well, it's exciting, Gabe. It's exciting to have baseball in general back in Williamsport. We're going to have cross-cutter baseball, of course, and then, of course, we'll have the Little League World Series a little bit later on. It's it's great to have that because it was really empty in, in Williamsport last year. Yeah, it certainly was. So we're, we're uh, darn excited to, to be able to open the gates tomorrow night. It's, uh, it's going to feel really different because it's been so long but uh it's going to be a great feeling can't wait absolutely gabe we're excited about that make sure you get your tickets if you're interested in going to the next couple of games not tomorrow night but going forward i know the crosscutters would love to have you there to enjoy a game at the ballpark and get back to that regular activity that we liked so much during the summer gabe thanks much again for the time congratulations on getting to this point and we hope we have a a good and, and prosperous season for the cutters Matt, I appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, you do a great job. I, I think Steve might be superfluous on this show. It might not be needed. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure he knows that. <laughs> All right, thanks, Gabe. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. And that is Gabe Sinekropi, the marketing and VP, or VP of marketing and, P, and PR, I should say, of the uh, Williamsport Crosscutters. So the Cutters open up the season at State College tonight, which, of course, Steve is gearing up for, and then the Cutters host the Spikes tomorrow night at uh, historic Bowman Field. So I hope to get up there this summer, too. If not, but definitely make sure you get up there and get your tickets, and we'll have this interview posted on the stevejonesshow.com podcast page, and you guys can take a look back that and get get onto that uh, ticket info to see if you can get some tickets for the Crosscutters this year. We'll go back with more after this. It is the Steve Jones Show, brought to you by Purdy Insurance, here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. when it comes to baseball. It's not played at Yankee Stadium. Uh, so. Well, this song reminds me of my Little League days. Back when you were a big star? Something like that. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but yeah, oh, we're I celebrating that you're going to be back in the ballpark tonight uh, and Cutter's getting back at it tomorrow. I love... Uh, there's nothing like, uh, as you know, we've had Eli Gold on, well, I don't know, how many times? We've had Eli on several times, the play-by-play voice of Alabama. But Eli, in the course, now Eli is at the point where Eli does Alabama football. That's what he does. But during the course of Eli's career, he has done Alabama football, Alabama basketball, both baseball and softball at Alabama. And believe it or not, he grew up, Eli did, as a huge New York Rangers fan, and he would get the cheap seats in the upper deck back in those days when there were cheap seats in the upper deck at Madison Square Garden. Eli loves hockey, and at one point, uh, the Birmingham uh, let's see, is the Birmingham Barons played in the World Hockey Association, and Eli was their play-by-play voice. 
And he and I, we were talking on the show one day, and I remember I did the show from Purdue. So I was in West Lafayette. And we were talking, whatever. I said, you know, I said, what has doing other sports meant for you with Alabama football, the keeping as a play-by-play guy fresh? Oh, and he took off on that. He goes, oh, my goodness. He said, it means so much to him. And I, and I said, I'm in complete agreement. I think that doing a variety of sports keeps you fresh in this business. Uh, and I think it makes a big difference in just, you know, you know, baseball season comes and baseball has its own pace. And I love sitting at the ballpark and broadcasting a baseball game and telling you about a player and describing a play. You know, it has its own pace. It has its own cadence. But then I get to football season. And football season, it's the same thing. It has its own pace. It has its own cadence. It has its own excitement. It has an own, its own way of calling plays. And then, boom, I go right to basketball season. Own pace, own cadence. You know, and plus the people you work with. I mean, I work with Joe Putnam. I work with Jack Ham. I work with Dick Girardi. You know, Matt McGloin's been a part of what I've been doing. You know, obviously Roger Corey and uh, Bob Taylor. And that makes a big, big difference, uh, the people you work with. But the ability to change sports, Eli felt strongly that it just kept him fresh in every sport because of the change of pace in each sport. And Don Fisher, who does the play-by-play at Indiana, and Don's done the play-by-play at Indiana for 40, this will be, I think it's Don's 48th season coming up. Now, Don is going into his 48th season, but Don looks like he's in his early 50s. I mean, I mean, phenomenal shape, great on the golf course, by the way. But, you know, it's always, you know. But I will say sports broadcasting is something, especially if you're doing it collegiately, in a lot of ways, I think it keeps you young. You're around young people all the time. And, but the ability, you know, and Don said, Don has done Indiana football, basketball, you know, this will be his 48th season coming up. But he asked me about it. He says, hey, he says, let me ask you about minor league baseball for a moment. I said, sure. He says, he said, what's that like? And I said, I said, it's phenomenal. I said, I, I love, you know, the, the relaxed atmosphere of it in a ballpark. I said, yeah, you know, and then action plays and it kicks into gear. I said, but it has its own really comfortable summer pace to it. And Don said, you know, he said, I'm talking to a couple of people. He said, I really would like to do some minor league baseball. Now, this is a guy that's done Indiana football and basketball for, you know, 47 and going on 48 seasons. And it's just because, you know, when you get into doing this job, this job... And today's show brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Home, auto, life, business, watercraft, that time of the year, all your latest insurance needs to keep you safe throughout the summer. Visit them at purdyinsurance.com or their Market Street Sunbury office. And Steve is in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. 
and online at sunburymotors.com. Jerry Dulac, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Steelers Radio Network, joins us next on Phil Mickelson and more as we continue on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business insurance, bundles. They'll do whatever they can to save you money. Make sure you're completely insured and and I'll tell you, your business can really benefit from having an association with Purdy Insurance. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Very pleased to bring in good friend, as I mentioned uh, earlier, the longest-running radio golf show in the country. And also, you hear him on the Steelers Network and brilliant work with the Post-Gazette, and that is Jerry Dulac. Welcome back, my friend. Great to have you with us. Well, Steve, it's always good to chat with you, and uh, thanks. I always enjoy coming on the show with you. All right, so let's start with this. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show that usually a lot of great players later in their career can put a couple of rounds together, and everybody goes, wow, you know, waking up the echoes. But it's always been difficult as the years go by, to put four rounds together, that's enough to win. What did we see? A, is that true in your opinion? And B, what did you see from Phil Mickelson? Yeah, uh, that is true because you hear the guys talk about it all the time. Uh, you know, they can still go out and shoot a 63, um, but to do it four straight days or to play four days of solid golf is the most difficult thing because it's just they, you know, they reach a point where it's not. I don't think it's physical fatigue at all. I think it's mental fatigue. It's just hard to concentrate and stay focused for 72 holes over four days. And that's what Phil Mickelson talked about all week, strengthening his focus to the point where, you know, he said he um, he meditated longer to, to strengthen his brain, quote, muscle. Um, instead of he would play 36 holes and try to concentrate for all 36 holes that way, when he played 18, it didn't seem as difficult. Those were the kinds of mental exercises he did to strengthen, strengthen his focus, you know, and, and to listen to Phil talk, and it's one of the beauties of him, is he's so captivating to listen to because yeah. he thinks of things and talks about things that no other golfer, for the most part, maybe next to Tiger and to some degree Bryson DeChambeau, uh, either think about or can talk about. And, and that's why he's maintained his greatness for, for all these years. And he was able to do it. And I think what made Sunday so captivating was what's great about Phil is what also is flawed about Phil. And and even Justin Thomas uh, uh, tweeted during the final round, he goes, why am I so nervous? Well, that's what made everything so gripping because I think everybody in the back of their mind was hoping that the old Phil wouldn't come through, you know, snap one. Uh, on 13 like he did on yeah. Saturday into the water or blow one on onto the uh, shoreline or, you know, knock one somewhere over the sand dunes. And so that was always in the back of everybody's mind. You know, uh, the 72nd hole at Wingfoot in, in uh, you know, 2006. So, but, but he didn't. He didn't. And he was focused the entire time. And I'm sure that 
without question, when he looks back, aside from the fact he won his sixth major at age 50, the most rewarding thing to him will be that he focused for 72 holes and never really wavered. We've seen him have the ability to do the daring, and sometimes it's failed, and sometimes it's been a huge success, like the flap shot when he won his first PGA Championship, for example, at Baltusrol. How smart did he play yesterday, center of the greens, understanding the situation? What did you think of that? Well, I think that's what uh, goes to the point about the focus and and yep. and and not and not doing something, um, you know, that that was in the past has been somewhat feel like it's hard to say that about a guy who's won forty five PGA <laughs> Tour titles and six majors. But we have seen that it, that's the guy who's also had six runner-up finishes in the U.S. Open and several other uh, major championships. Um, but that's that's the the greatness of Phil. And and I thought, um, you know, that's why I was so surprised he did what he did at 13 on Saturday. Uh, but uh, you know, when when he hit that uh, bomb on 16, and then uh, you know, okay, so he knocks it. You know, he hits a great shot. It just runs through the green. That tight little pitch shot. You know, unless you've been there, you know, that that's that's part hard pan, part sand and part matted grass or, or, or if, if if there's any grass at all. And yet he just delicately pitched that to a foot and a half and tapped it in for birdie. Um, but so he did he he did not only the necessary I mean not only the smart things, he did the necessary things. And in eighteen he knew don't hit it down in those bunkers. He could probably carry them. But he thought, you know, he's just going to blow it up that right side, ride to win. And he hits 345 in a right rough, and he hits nine iron to the green. I mean, I, I don't think people comprehend. If, if anybody who's ever been there, and as you know, Steve, I've played that course many, many, many times. Yep. That 18th hole is so difficult. You know, it, on TV it makes it look, okay, he hits a nine iron up on the green. <laughs> but that, that green from, you know, go dip. I mean, the, the fairway dips and then rises back up, and he has to come over a bunker and still be able to stop that ball uh, on the green because the sand dunes are just to the right. You know, if you go long, it, it trundles down over, over the embankment a little bit. Um, and, and yet, you know, he was – he. I don't want to say he made it look effortless, but I don't think people truly, <coughs> excuse me, can appreciate the, the difficulty of those shots and the ease with, with which they make them appear, and certainly he did, uh, well, pretty much the whole time, Saturday and Sunday especially. Well, that's one of the beauties of greatness. They make something that you and I know is extremely difficult, and they make it look easy. That's the definition of greatness to me. You know, Steve, I look at that 13th hole that I mentioned where on Saturday snaps it in the water. Yep. Now, if anybody saw where that tee is on that hole, and it's playing, like 18 was playing 505 yards, 13 is playing 497 yards, and there's water running the entire right side all the way up next to the green. The edge of the green is the bulkhead to the water. And yet those guys, they hit they're 497 somewhat into the breeze, kind of quartering at them, and they hit iron, iron on the green. Mm -hmm. um, that's, how, that's how, one, how far these guys hit it, but that's how, two, how good they are, and three, how confident they are, even from 235, 220, 215. It doesn't matter. That's like a 75-yard shot for the average player. But to them, you know, again, the wind coming from the left, water to the right, you know, coming off the, off the ocean, and yet they hang, they'll throw it up there, either ride the wind, cut it into the wind, 
they figure it out and they knock it on the green basically like it's nothing. And it's 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 a testament to them. But I, I think people have to understand the difficulty of that golf course and all the problems it presents. It, certainly he got pushed a little bit, but were you surprised he wasn't pushed more by a couple of guys in the field? Well, I think I think the converse uh, argument to that, Steve, is that that's that was the beauty of what he did. He didn't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he you know he brought himself back. You know, he had a four shot lead, and all of a sudden it was a two shot lead, just like the day before. He had five and six shot lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's hard to play uh, a catch up out there. You can on sixteen if you make eagle. Right. Um, but the rest of it, you know, 14's not a birdie hole. I mean, 238 yards to a perched green, uh, you know, where it falls off like, uh, you know, like an eight-story building on each side. Yeah, 17's um, you know, not. 15, 15 you could get at and 16. But other than that, 17, 14, 17, and 18, you know, when you turn back and go along the shoreline, um, those aren't exactly birdie holes. And, and I love um, Ian Baker Finch brought this up twice during the broadcast. Uh, during the 1991 Ryder Cup, Colin Montgomery is playing Mark Kalkovecchia. Yep. Infam- infamously, Kalkovecchia's collapsed. Mm-hmm. But uh, Colin Montgomery, on the last four holes, went bogey. He was four down with four to go. He played the last four holes bogey, bogey, double bogey, bogey, and won all four holes right. to have the match. And, but that's just how difficult uh, those holes can play Um you know, uh, once you make that turn from 13 and head back, you know, 14 back into the clubhouse, right along the shoreline. Dustin Johnson hasn't made the cut in either major this year. Uh, any thought on that? I mean, it's you know, circumstances happen, but any thought on that? Yeah, it's it's surprising because you know he's a guy who's uh, even if he's not playing great in the majors, you know, he's. Uh, uh, especially lately, he's been able to amp his game. When I say lately, I meant before this year, and yet he he hasn't been uh, he hasn't been able to do it. And yeah, it's a little surprising. Justin Thomas has been a non-factor for the mm-hmm. most part in these major tournaments. Uh, you know, uh, as you know from talking to me, Steve, I'm a big Jordan Spieth guy. Yeah, just I I love his talent. Uh, uh, you know, I love the type of person he is and the way he comports himself. That's why he's so popular. The only other guy that might have been more popular winning, and in this instance he, he even wasn't, was Jordan Spieth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having maybe completing the Grand Slam. But it's hard to top Phil Mickelson. You just can't. And so, um, but, you know, he was good through three runs, but he didn't make that, you know, he bogeyed 18, he shot 68 on Saturday, and even he said, he said that was one of those rounds where he thought he could have shot 64, but he needed to come out Sunday and take advantage of those first three holes, and he didn't. He played him in one over. And that pretty much sealed his fate. He had to play him in at least one under and maybe two under to get on the board, start to make a, you know, uh, uh, have a shot. And uh, he was just uh, never able to do it. Slowly but surely, the crowds have been coming back. Now, this time, they were back in full force. Thousands of people were there. Uh, What do you think it meant to a guy like Mickelson that as he's trying to focus and fight his way through this round to win it, that he had that kind of support from the gallery? Well, I don't think there's any question. It, you know, it energized them just as uh, Roy McIlroy uh, said it happened with him a, a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, when he won at Quail Hollow, you know, a former PGA site where he has won before. Uh, the stars, the crowds mean a lot to the stars because that's where they get their energy because they're so used to 
these these throngs following them, thousands and thousands of people. So, you know, the the Max Homas and Kevin Streelmans of the world, the crowd isn't going to energize them the same way as it does the stars who are accustomed to that. So I will say this, Steve. They said they only allowed 10,000 people on the property. <laughs> That's all they were allowing, and I believe it. Well, I think all 10,000 were surrounding that 18th green yeah. uh, yesterday, and that scene on 18 was... Uh, you haven't seen anything like that since the British Open, and I really don't think uh, that was planned. I, I, I was unaware that there was any plan to do that, and I'm sure, based on the fact that it seemed to be somewhat out of control, that the PGA wasn't allowing that to happen. The people just did it, and I'm still a little surprised because you typically don't see that happen. Right, exactly. You, you don't. Years ago, it was thought that uh, that obviously we're talking about Scottish links now. That Phil Mickelson could not really play well in a course like that. Then he won a couple of Scottish Opens, and of course, then he won mm-hmm. the British Open. What do you think he learned about seaside links golf that then also paid off yesterday and the weekend? Well, you know, and, and he almost won another British Open with that duel with Henrik Stenson, which, yeah. which uh, you know, as good as I've witnessed, I've always said that the best duel that I witnessed in a major was uh, Tiger Woods and Bob May in the PGA Championship yeah. at, at Valhalla. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that one, I think, uh, because you had two superstars dueling, I think that, that outdid it. But I think I think what happened is Phil learned a little bit about the part of it's probably equipment, probably some of it has to do with the ball, some of it has to do with, uh, you know, him learning or, you know, uh, you know with flighting his ball, maybe, you know, um, uh, you know the, the loft on his driver, I think those are some of the things that Phil probably learned, and he got comfortable playing in it. Um, and, and you know, his guy from California, who grew up in California and then played in the desert, and he's you know, for the most part, let's face it, he's accustomed to playing in 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 nice weather for the most yeah. part growing up. So, you know, you have to learn to to play in that, and I don't say like it, but accept it. And I, I'm I'm sure uh, that's part of it. But I think having the success. To him, I mean, you know, for him to have the success there, I think to him, you know, probably probably helped him a lot. It's one of the reasons, Steve, why why I thought a European player might win um, at uh, at the Ocean Course because they're mm-hmm. accustomed to those seaside courses with wind. And yeah. you saw a couple of them up on the board. You know, Thursday afternoon, right when he teed off. I thought Shane Lowry would have been a very good pick, and here he finished tied for fourth. I didn't expect Padre Harrington to do what he did, but you know my pre-tournament pick, because I try to stay away from the obvious picks, was yeah. Terrell Hatton. I thought a European player, given the conditions, would would thrive there. Um, and and here it's a guy who won a British Open and a Scottish Open, who apparently you know with uh, you know here's the other thing too, Steve. Real quickly to your point. You know, while that is a true links course because it's seaside and holes mm-hmm. go eight holes, six through thirteen go in the same direction one way. Right. They go out to to the clubhouse and then back out, and then fourth, fourteen through eighteen come back one after the other. Links connected to one another. The difference is those greens are perched and elevated. I don't know how yep. much you can tell on TV. Some of them yep. you can. See, it isn't like you can play the game along the ground. At, at Kiwa, you still the, with the green yeah, being elevated and perched, you have to play the ball through the air, and that's why even ha- even though it has a links look to it in 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 kind of feel and style, it doesn't always it doesn't play like a links course because of the elevated perched greens. 
Right. It's, yeah, that's right. One final question. Um, obviously, Tiger's not in the mix. What did the weekend, and especially yesterday, do at least for the sport on TV? Well, there's no question. Um, it's one of golf's great moments. Uh, you know, several people have asked me about, you know, comparing it to Nicholas in 86. Um, I'm not going to go there. Uh, Nicholas in 86 was one of the great moments in sports history. Yeah. Uh, what Phil did was one of the great moments in golf history. And yep. you could put it up there in the top five, maybe the top three if you want. Um, but uh, it was, uh, there's no question because it was Phil Mickelson. Anybody else, look, if that's Louis, Louis Oosthuizen, Kevin Streelman coming down 18, uh, even Kepka. Um, yep. You know, he's already won two. There wouldn't have been that same buzz or excitement or anticipation or euphoria. But there is because it's Phil. Um, what he's done, you know, he's, he, you know, he's so good uh, with the fans. He's so good for the game. Uh, you've probably heard me say uh, before, Steve, that all the guys out there should be like Phil Mickelson. He's the modern-day Arnold Palmer. And the people gravitate toward him for that reason. And he's a, immensely, immensely popular. And um, I think it just did wonders. If anybody was going to, to raise the needle some more, uh, what Phil Mickelson, it was going to be Phil Mickelson and what he did yesterday. Yeah, while other guys are headed to the car to the parking lot to get out, Phil's over signing autographs because yeah, that's what the fans yeah, ask, ask him to do. It. That's what happens Arnold Palmer. The whole, you know, you see him, even though he's giving him the Arnold Palmer thumbs up the whole time, but he's at least he's responding to him. And in any other event, he's looking at him right in the eye as he's walking. Now, I understand his focus yesterday. But, yeah. um, you know, even after he hold that bunker on number uh, bunker shot on five, um, I don't know if you saw it as he was leaving the green. There was a, a special needs child there in, yes. in his uh, in his adapted wheelchair, and Phil stopped. And I, I'm assuming probably gave him the ball. But you know he wasn't just stopping routinely, but he did in that instance because of uh, you know because of the condition of the child. And it was just that that's Phil. It was just it, that's the kind of guy he is. And it was it was very nice. It was very touching. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely, Steve, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping I talked to Hammer last week, and I'm hoping that uh, maybe uh, we can tee it up uh, at uh, Sunny Hannah one afternoon here in the summer. We'll get sounds our friend good. Ronnie Moeller, and we'll, and we'll make it. A, we'll make it an afternoon. <laughs> it sounds great. I'm looking forward to that. All Thanks right, so good much, chat with you, Steve. You, you too, man. Thanks. Yeah, it's one thing. Um, you know, Arnold Palmer was very particular about this. Arnold Palmer answered letters. Arnold Palmer signed autographs. Always. Arnold Palmer's penmanship was impeccable. In other words, it wasn't one, it wasn't a scribble. And he always told players, when you sign, make sure you sign in a way that people can read it. Phil has been the guy that's been like that. He has been the guy that has stayed. Okay, bad round goes and signs. Good round goes and signs. Uh, he is the he's, you know, like anybody could sit there and go, you know, here there's you know there's this you know, you know he'll throw some money around things like that. But he's also the same guy who's driving in. I think it was the it may have been the memorial, and he was driving into the memorial, and there was a lemonade stand to the right. So he pulls you know pulls the pulls the courtesy car over. And lemonade was a dollar. He gave the girl a hundred, 
for a glass of lemonade and got back in the car and kept on going. It's what he does. It's what he does. Yeah, he's not you know, not going to be perfect, but boy, he certainly certainly does. He certainly understands what the fan means to the success of the whole tour. All right, back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. If you own an RV, you know your home on wheels needs the same protection as your actual home. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. Whether you hit the road for a weekend or a few months, Purdy Insurance can cover all of your recreational vehicles. From RVs, ATVs and side-by-sides to motorcycles and golf carts, offering you great coverage at the best price. Call Purdy Insurance at 570-286-5855 or request a quote online at purdyinsurance.com and see what we can do for you. All right, Neil Kulong is going to join us on the show tomorrow. I was talking about how Phil Mickelson, you know, stops, gives a ball to a fan, parking lot, doesn't just run to the parking lot, doesn't hide in the locker room, he signs autographs for the fans, as opposed to, get out of my way, kid, I'm going to the booth. <laughs> but but Mr. Mr. Suit, I, I admire you, Mr. Suit. You should. <laughs> Mr. Suit. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Thanks for joining us today from the Sunbury Motor Studio here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years.